1: want to say thank you to the Iowa pork producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa pork industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production, and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family-owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Pour one more beer for me. Exile me. Podcast Miller and Dace brought to you always by Exile Brewing Company from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Also want to thank the Iowa Port producers as well as Heartland Pl- Flagpoles and Flags for their ongoing support of the HN Podcast, and thank you for your ongoing support of the HN Podcast. And you know, Steve, I'll be brutally honest, and I never have a problem doing that. Things right now, uh, you know, Rob Howe and I are going to talk probably a little, take a little deeper dive on Iowa football recruiting. Um, at some point in time this week, and given the uh, state of the basketball program having another beat down against Ohio State yesterday, I really didn't want to recap that, and uh, so I tossed it out there, tossed it out to Iowa fans saying, hey, we're going to record a podcast here in about 15 minutes, you know, do you have any questions, and a lot of people have replied, and which I think, well led, done, yeah, yeah, well how, done. how about that, you know, <laughs> It is the mail-it-in, like mail-grab-bag it it. Mail portion of the HN Podcast. We won't mail it in, but we're relying on you. And you know what? During the off-season, Steve, this might not be a bad idea. Maybe say once a month, throw it out to the folks. Say, all right, what kind of – it's like back when we had a radio show. We take mm-hmm. calls, right? So we're taking calls, but we're doing it via Twitter. So uh, I don't think you will mind that one bit, right?
0: No. I mean, when I when I do speaking engagements, live questions – are my favorite part. And I, I don't want to know what they are ahead of time. And I always tell people the snotty are the better. I like snotty questions. I do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think you like snotty
0: questions.
1: Oh, you know, it's, you know what, when you're a dancing bear and you can, and you can dance, then nail it. That, those are fun things.
0: Well, you know, one good reason to take questions is that way, you know, you are talking about what people are interested in and what's on absolutely yeah right no doubt i mean there's a time and a place for an address you don't want to you know if your pastor stands up there on on a sunday and says all right you guys got any questions Mm
1: -hmm. that might
0: be a time to get worried you know but uh,
1: i was worried for about 120 seconds after i tweeted that out i'm like this actually might turn out worse than i thought (laughs) <laughs> um, but the people came through Like they always do So thank you
0: And, and now you know We're going to address what, what our audience Wants us to address So yep. there you go
1: Exactly Alright let's get to it uh, We'll go in order the, the way that these things Came in From uh, Ryan Kulma Is the seat getting warm For Fran McCaffrey And we've talked about this A little bit The last few months I, I would say yes The seat is certainly Has a, a level of warmth To it That it did not have uh, Three months ago now, I'm not saying it's hot, but if I would has another year anywhere near this year, next year, that seat's going to be real warm. And I would also extend the warmth of that seat to Gary Barda, as well as you've mentioned several times. Most athletic directors at high major programs do not get an opportunity to uh, hire three basketball coaches when, you know, Things haven't worked out for at least two others So yes, I think the seat's Warm, but given That contract extension that he also Received with the buyout Which in hindsight, that buyout Isn't like the worst in basketball Just the timing and handling of it Would have been a lot better I think the seat's warm, what do you think?
0: I think In general, I, like I said When we brought this up a couple of weeks ago I'm, I'm in favor of allowing uh, if we're, unless we're talking about a Baylor or a Michigan State kind of situation, if we're talking about performance uh, strictly in, from a win losses standpoint, then I, I think every individual fan base gets to make that gets to make that call. I, I just speaking analytically, I have a hard time believing that you can, you're going to pay a nine million dollar buyout to a basketball coach at almost any school. That's an obscene number for a college basketball coach. Um, it's kind of par for the course in football, although it's also a reason that at Iowa State, Matt Campbell didn't get a huge look, despite the huge success he had right. at Iowa State this year, because people were looking at, well, I got to pay Iowa State nine million, and that's before I even pay the next coach. So this is like a fifteen million dollar. If you're Tennessee hiring Matt Campbell is like a 15 million dollar gig before he coaches a game, okay? Between the salary you have to pay him because there's a certain number you have to pay him in, in in a conference like the SEC to show people you're you're serious, and then there's his own buyout. Well, now you're talking about if people are balking at eight nine million dollar buyouts, you know, in, in power five college football. What the hell do you think they're balking at when it comes to basketball? So I have a hard time believing under this current athletic administration that handed out that kind of obscene buyout, regardless of what the record is 12 months from now, he will be dismissed. But that is not my opinion based on performance. That is strictly my opinion right. based on the contractual factors.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that Uh With that at all, I was also looking to build a new baseball um, facility as far as baseball stadium. so that's not cheap either, so I agree. Uh, Next up, what does Brian Ferentz have to do this year to start or begin to show that he can take over when Kirk decides to hang them up? I think that in addition to what brian may need to show which is i I think just improvement on the job i I thought he had a, a good first year i think that when you look back at the changeover when iowa brought in greg davis who was a long in the tooth coordinator and iowa experienced a great deal of offensive pain that year and i'm not saying that we're talking about comparisons in a vacuum here But I thought Brian Ferentz had a a, a very good year. Were there some uh, calls that he'd like to have back? Yeah. And we saw many of them, and they jumped off the screen. They probably jumped out at him. But I really think that this team's going to need to win at least nine, maybe ten games. That's the type of trajectory, I think, the Iowa football program is going to need in order for the environment to be, say, uh, set up or seasoned. For a second Ference to be the head Coach at the university
0: Again what I'm About to say is strictly an analysis Of the conditions in The administration as they currently stand Okay so that With that caveat out there I think if if Brian Ference Has full motor function um, And Has not Engaged in anything that Will lead to hashtag me too If Gary Barta Is the athletic director When Kirk Ferentz steps aside Brian Ferentz will be the head football coach Regardless of record Statistics Anything That's what I think Hmm. I think if Gary Barta makes that call Brian Ferentz will be the head coach
1: Interesting Um,
0: and And I base that off of if there is a consistent stream of thought in Gary Barda's decision making, it is to take the path of least resistance and to preemptively put yourself in a situation that you don't have to make difficult decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that at all. I'm
0: not I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a douche canoe about this. I'm just. I'm just looking at the no, dude. Residence. Listen, I mean, listen. If you disagree? Tell me. I mean, I, I could be wrong.
1: No, I mean, if if you want to sit here and debate the merit, the the yeah,
0: that's a different deserving.
1: That's a different discussion. but, yeah. but you're bottom lining to what you think will happen based on why you think it will happen, and frankly, that's just as interesting a conversation to me as the other stuff. The other stuff, that's that's typically the line that I want to go down. But I mean, you 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 take so many reps every day. In a world of politics Where The way at which you look at these questions Is different from the way at which I look at them And I think it's refreshing to have That perspective as well So
0: I have, I've had to force myself, John To live in a world I don't always like Often I don't But a world where I have to analyze things On the basis of what I think will happen Not what I want to have happen Okay And so um I have I have learned over the years as much as possible. I, I my 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 when I make analysis like this, it, it's what Jack Nicholson says when Helen Hunt asks him, "Why do you? How can you write women so well in your books?" And, and as good as it gets, and he says, "Well, I think of a man and I remove all reason, emotion, logic, etc." Um, that's sort of what I do when you guys ask me questions. I just. Re- Forget what I think, what my personal, you know, biases. Um, now, I mean, if you were asking me what I think he needs to do for the job to deserve the job, I think it's actually much more about um, wins and losses than style points. Because, you know, when we started this past season. If we would have said that Iowa Akron Wadley ran for a thousand yards, Iowa put a fifty burger on Ohio State, and um, darn near broke Chuck Hartley's touchdown pass record In a single season We would have thought, dude That's bananas, that's crazy Well, that's exactly what happened But yet I don't get the feeling that his stock Is any higher than it was at the start of the year And I think it comes down to W's and L's You know, I think I think that matters more Than style points You know, I think Iowa fans Because of the outstanding run that Ferrance has had in his career Although you know when they lose the first thing people point out is style points or the lack thereof when they win people don't typically email or call you and say well you know i really wish they would have thrown the ball more well you, i mean iowa fans have learned that they don't need a lot of, of, of flash if the substance is there to win the lack of flash tends to come up when they lose because when they lose, it's usually because they lost a game somewhere by seven points or less, and you can you can always, almost always pinpoint a certain play call or a certain uh, decision that was conservative in nature. As an Iowa fan, that you can justifiably say, "Hey, if we would have take if we would have been more aggressive here, maybe blank would have happened." So, so I don't think for most Iowa fans, style points is really the issue. I, I don't think Brian Ferentz. Becomes a more deserving candidate for Iowa fans if Iowa goes seven and five, eight and four, and instead of the 91st ranked offense they typically have, they have the 21st ranked offense. I think most Iowa fans recognize uh, that they would rather have the 101st ranked offense, um, you know, with a JUCO transfer at quarterback who's a one-year stopgap, and they go 10 and three and finish number eight in the country then, you know, have put up huge points and go seven and five, and you're back in the pinstripe bowl where Boston College sells more tickets. I think Iowa fans get that. So I think from a deserving standpoint, I really think it comes down to W's and L's. Because if the W's and L's are there, if the W's are there, then what Iowa fans are going to do, John, is they're going to reverse engineer that, and they're going to say – and, and we got this win because Brian Ferentz, you know, maybe was able to make this play call, and we pulled that one out, right? Okay? If they're 7-5, and five, it's like, Brian Ferentz should never had the job, total nepotism. It's always about W's and L's. So from a deserving standpoint, I think it comes down to you know, Ferentz get, if Ferentz gets the program back to, you know, a place where finishing 8-8 eight, number eight in the final poll is a realistic achievement, then the idea of him as your head coach, I'm guessing, will be much more amenable to a majority of your fans. If you're going to stay in this, with the exception of the run of 2015, if you're going to stay in this seven to nine, you know, win pretty good but not great range, then a lot of people are going to be where a guy like Chris Hassel, our former radio colleague in, in Des Moines, is at. You know, time to for every time to move on. But I think it really is more about Ws and Ls than it is about uh, statistics. But I think if Gary Bart is the AD. I don't think any of this matters. I think he will choose whatever causes him the least amount of risk.
1: Thanks to Jordan Cooper for that question. Next from Ray Owens on Twitter. Jordan Bohannon at point guard or shooting guard, which would make Iowa a better team? This, of course, is if Iowa had a suitable point guard to put in his place. Steve, I'll let you begin with this um, because this is seemingly a hot topic. I tend to. I mean, I say that I don't think Jordan Bohannon is your typical or prototypical Big Ten point guard. Or really, if I was going to go out and say this is what I'd want Iowa to have at point guard, I would say I would want somebody that has really good lateral quickness, somebody who can take it to the rim consistently, which is going to draw defenders and allows you to pass more effectively. And someone who can also play some pretty good lockdown defense in a man-on-man situation. Now, it's not often in my lifetime that Iowa has had a point guard that can do all of those things. It's actually very rare. Usually the guard is missing. You know, Anthony Clemens was a really good lockdown defender out top, but he wasn't a guy that was consistently going to score for you at the rack. Uh, Andre Woolridge, I think, was an okay defender. So he's probably the closest, but he's one of the two or three best point guards of my lifetime at Iowa. So those things are rare for Iowa to get. But um, then you go and look at Bohannon. He's second in the league in assists. He's first in the league in three-pointers made. I mean, he's he's putting up some numbers that few Big Ten players have ever put up in their careers multiple seasons. Denzel Valentine's the only other Big Ten player since 1992 to make at least 89 three-pointers have, and have at least 165 assists in multiple seasons in Big Ten play. Bohannon's going to do that in his first two years, and Valentine was the Big Ten MVP. So I don't know. What do you think of this Bohanan point guard-shooting guard debate? Well... And Brilliant. I said I'd let you go first, okay?
0: <laughs> it's not like I've not done this to you a million times in our careers, so you only owe me about ten thousand more of those, okay? We'll keep track, all right? But um, um, asked and answered, your honor. Uh, but no, I'll just say this quickly: I, I, when 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 the season was getting ready to start, and, and you were pointing out how the national media was really downgrading Iowa in basketball, and you just you were having a hard time, and I was agreeing with you reconciling how a team that returned 80 some odd percent of its offensive scoring and rebounding from the previous season was getting picked 8th, ninth, and 10th in the league right? especially when this wasn't expected to be the strongest year in the league, and it's not which is ironic because last year there wasn't a, when, when the NCAA Selection Committee put out the four weeks before Selection Sunday Sweet 16 seeds there wasn't a Big Ten team in there this year we think the league's not nearly as good as it was last year, and there's three. Um, but a lot of us were like, There's no way I was gonna finish eighth to tenth in the league. And right from this get go, you could see, and this is a question that I asked you at the time, and we were wondering, you know, is, is this guy gonna be back? Is this guy hurt? Can he return? Because it seemed to me putting Bohan in at point guard is a is a, is a is a total loss leader that literally if you have anybody else capable of handling and distributing the basketball, put them there. And I look at Ohio State. They have a walk-on from Michigan, grad transfer, Dan Dockich's kid, Andrew. All right, so he can't – I mean, he, he, he couldn't play at Michigan because of the demands that John Beeline puts on the point guard in his system. But Ohio State, what they were really lacking is someone that would just – move the ball distribute the ball and and that allowed some guys like jay sean tate and other guys to to take that burden off of them so that they would be they could score and when i look at iowa when you have bohannon as your as your point guard i can't think of a single point guard in this league he can guard and so right away you're in you're in a negative on the on one end of the floor and then when you're asking him to be your primary distributor, then you're often asking him to feed the post into a guy like Tyler Cook, as opposed to being the guy on the wing when the double team comes. And and that's where Cook can swing the ball to beat the double team cross court, you know, swing, uh, swing pass. And now you've got your deadliest shooter on the wing alone or at the top of the key alone and, and the defense is a step behind in rotation because they had to collapse down on Tyler Cook, putting him at point guard. Takes that away. You can't really run a pick and roll with 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 Bohan and, and Cook a lot a lot. The 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 real Big Ten opener, the Michigan game in, in, in around New Year's, which is really when the season traditionally starts, and we had that one right. week in December this year, but. Iowa ran that a lot against Michigan in the first half, and it worked very well because Michigan was playing it straight up. And that allowed Bohannon some looks to, to, to bury threes. In the second half, what you saw Michigan do in that game, is they simply said, we are going to let – we don't care if Tyler Cook scores 50 points. We're not going to let him – we're not going to double down on him and kick the ball to Bohannon and these other guys because that's where we'll lose the game game cuz 3s are more than 2. I think you have seen other Big 10 teams take their cue the rest of the season this way. And and so if if I were Iowa, I don't know your roster deep enough. I don't know if there's some Andrew Dockett or somebody somewhere, but man, if there is anybody that can distribute the basketball, I'd come up with any conceivable lineup possible if I could that did not have Bo in at the number 1 cuz he cannot guard a single point guard in this league. On the one hand, and on the other hand, you're taking away the real vital asset that he brings to your team.
1: Yeah, well said. And and they had an Andrew Dockage, and I'm not saying, I mean, Connor McCaffrey's probably better than Andrew Dockage. Uh I, I think that he could have done that for him. Christian Williams, before he transferred, you know, they're trying to have Macy Daly place him at point. It's just not going to happen this year, but totally uh, agree with you. And, you know, Bohannon's having a fantastic season. Um The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin, the flag guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere, guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping Uh, he's he's already one of my all-time favorite players just the way that he answers things and how he just stands in there and takes it so it
0: reminds me of matt sherman in that it's not his fault you go back to matt sherman in the early 90s when i first broke or late 90s when i first broke in filling in you know and doing the weekly show with you know marty terrell and bob dyer and You had a tremendous, some really good players on some of those teams. I mean, Tim Dwight, Damon Gibson, Tavian Banks. The problem was Matt Sherman wasn't good enough for what they were asking him to do, and same with Kyle McCann. That's maybe a a better example because I was doing solo shows when when this was happening to him. It's not Kyle McCann and Matt Sherman's fault that when it comes to college it's not their fault they're not good enough they're being asked by coaches who recruit their own roster to do things they can't do so if matt sherman or kyle mccann with all due respect if those are the best quarterbacks you have uh don't blame matt sherman and kyle mccann for that all right uh blame hayden fry and kirk ferentz for that similarly if if Moving Bohannon to point guard is the best option. What year is? I don't even remember. How, what year is this now for France? Seven. if you. Year seven. If yeah. you're seven, your best option at point guard is to take your undersized two guard, who can't who you can't who can't guard anybody and playing at point. That's not that's not Bohannon's fault. That is McCaffrey's fault. That's his fault. Yep. It's his job to go get the players. You're not, this isn't a draft. Where you are, where you are, you know, beholden to who falls to you. You can't just if a guy wants you and you want him, you can't just go and get him. You get to build your own roster. That is entirely always the head coach's fault.
1: Indeed. Um, up next, Chin loves Iowa. What needs to happen, change over the last four basketball games to salvage a finish that may bypass playing on Wednesday during the Big Ten tournament. I don't know now that, that if that's it, it's becoming more and more likely that um I'm going to pull up the big 10 standings here that Iowa is definitely going to be in the first four I can't remember Wisconsin the, Michigan Wisconsin was today, right? And you guys, you yeah, guys Michigan won. won that game.
0: Yeah. So
1: okay, so the, the 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 worst four records play on the opening day, and they play one another. So Iowa right now is in twelfth, thirteenth, eleventh. Uh, so eleventh through fourteenth play. So Iowa and Minnesota are tied at three and eleven. Illinois is at two and eleven, and Rutgers is at two and twelve. Wisconsin is at four and ten. After that, Maryland is at six and eight. So Iowa's not going to win so basically Iowa's going to need to tie with wisconsin and stay ahead of minnesota and illinois and then they would have the head-to-head over wisconsin for having beaten the badgers so that's what's going to have to happen both wisconsin and iowa have four games left wisconsin's four games are against purdue that's a loss home against minnesota probably a win um at Northwestern loss and against Michigan State loss, so I think Wisconsin goes one and three at best. So Iowa's going to need to go two and two to tie them. And Iowa's last four games are at Michigan. I think that's a loss. Um, home against Indiana, that's a, that's a possible win. At Minnesota, likely loss, and home against North. I think Iowa. I think Iowa at best goes two and two there. I don't know that I'd bet on it. And I think Wisconsin, I would
0: bet on them going one and three. Well, this goes back to the previous question. When, when your point guard can't guard anybody, that means dribble penetration is always on the menu. And that means that your defense can get broken down at any time, at any point in a possession. You can play tremendous defense for 20, 25 seconds, and they just run a ball screen or they just run a one four set knowing that you can't uh, you can't defend at the point of attack with the basketball and get a good look and and why is that important to this question? because we're sitting here today with two weeks left in the regular season. And the University of Iowa is two hundred and forty freaking eighth in adjusted defense on Ken Palm. two hundred and forty eighth in the United States of America. two hundred. 48th And so when you're 248th in adjusted defense It's real tough to W&L your schedule Because You could lose any any night And then there's then there might be one night that You just hit 12 or 13 Threes and you, and you win a game You're not supposed to So I, when you're 248th in the nation In adjusted defense though I, I, It's really hard to game plan Which games you're going to win and which ones you're going to lose
1: is adding Joe Wieskamp, who, by the way, just broke Jeff Horner's Class 4A all-time scoring record, is adding Joe Wieskamp and a healthy Connor McCaffrey enough to help Fran and company bounce back in 2018-2019 from Tony Delaney? Here's If that's if that's what they do, if they don't go out and get a grad transfer point guard as um, John Buckner asked in the next tweet, do they need that, I think they absolutely do, or Juco. Um is that enough to help them bounce back? Here's the only way I see that possible. Is if you commit day one of the offseason that you're going to be a zone team. And you all offseason work at defending the zone and rebounding out of the zone. And don't just decide you're going to play more zone once you get into the season and realize you have to. You need to commit to it. You need to teach it. And you need to execute it a heck of a lot better than what we're seeing this year. That's what I would say to that.
0: And then it becomes relative to the rest of the teams, you know, when you league and on your schedule. So you look at next year, pretty much this is the schedule for every Big Ten team. 20 league games, a, yep. a game in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and you're probably going to play in an exempt tournament. Throw in the fact that at Iowa you're going to have to play Iowa State, who – could potentially be a top 30 40 team next year you're gonna to have to play one of your other instant
1: they've got a lot of talent three. coming
0: in yeah you, you throw in one of your big state big four rivals northern iowa or drake and you know there's not a lot of other places to sort of schedule some w's in order to get confidence there at that point i mean it's a it's a 31 game season so if you're playing an exempt tournament that's three games Big 10 AC Challenge, that's four. You have your two in-state games, that's six. And then you have 20 league games. That gives you five other games if you're the University of Iowa. And you don't want to schedule teams that are 250 or lower in the RPI because that's killer in your RPI. And so you don't have too many games there the rest of the way. And this will be true for every other Big 10 team, by the way. Um, so I think that... There's not a lot of opportunities there for Big Ten teams to schedule confidence boosters for their clubs. When you look at the rest of the league, uh, you you know, start at the top. Obviously, Purdue is a a team with Vince Edwards and Isaac Haas, primarily senior-led. You have to figure they'll take a bit of a step back. Michigan State will lose Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges to the NBA, but that is still going to be a very good roster but we have no idea what the state of their athletic program, administration, or anything else is going to look like in the next six to 18 months. We have no clue. But if we didn't have that story, we would still look at their roster without Bridges and Jackson and everybody else they have and think that's still going to be a pretty decent Tom Izzo team with how well they've recruited the last couple of years. Michigan's class coming in, it's, it's right up there with the, with the best class beeline signed, which was the Stauskas-Robinson class. Uh, And and I don't think it's a guarantee Mo Wagner will go pro He's barely registered as a second round pick In in most of these draft projections He loves being there At the university We'll see, I think it's 50-50 Whether or not he comes back But if he does, with what they have coming back At the recruiting class, they're a preseason top 10 team I think Maryland will take a big step back up They've had a lot of injuries And everything this year A lot of those guys are back So I think you'll see them take a big step up Minnesota lose some key guys. They have a very good recruiting class coming in. You look at Ohio state, they have a good recruiting class coming in, but they're going to lose Bates Diop, who is obviously the best, maybe the best player in the big 10 right now, but I'm not sure that they're going to go from, you know, potential big 10 champion to six and and 14 in the league. Either Northwestern, they lose quite a bit. Uh, Basically this was the, this two year window, with these recruits and they're going to kind of start over again next year Wisconsin you'll bring back I think Ethan Happ for his senior year you have to figure at some point they won't have as many injuries and, and all the other issues they've had this year but he's not really recruited all that well and so you start feeling like they're kind of starting to revert to the mean a little bit Illinois always a wild card it always seems like no matter who the coach is they got a great class coming in and their best kid they're sitting on the bench so who knows? Maybe one of these years they'll put together a roster and it's hard to believe Indiana will be this bad in year two. So that's a kind of a quick survey. And then and then you decide and then you have to size since you're going to play 20 of your 31 games against the teams I just mentioned. You really can't just evaluate your roster um, as a standalone entity, but you have to you have to evaluate it in relationship to those teams that I just mentioned.
1: Well done. Well done. 4 um, 3 football now from Bailey uh, or Bally, Kent Bailey 20. 4 3 versus 3 4. Would Iowa's defense excel or go to the next level if they made a switch to the 3 4? Wisconsin did it rather seamlessly. Still, one of the more amazing things I've seen in college football in, in the recent memory. Uh, Nebraska struggled with it this past year. It's it requires a total, uh, a different recruiting approach, uh, an emphasis on getting those war daddy defensive tackles, nose tackle, and then just a lot of incredibly athletic linebackers. I, I just it's it's difficult for me to think that Iowa can just do what Wisconsin did because I think Wisconsin I don't know I don't know how they did it. So I, I think Iowa probably best to stick with the four three.
0: I think beyond a personnel change. It, it would require a psychological change. Uh, you cannot play Ben but do not break defense with a 3-4. If you want to know what that looks like, go watch the Super Bowl last week. And watch the Philadelphia Eagles march up and down the field on the New England Patriots. So, And then only late in the fourth quarter, they, they decided to play more aggressive and blitz more. And... Um, and came close to stopping them a couple times, the Eagles, when they've made them punt once and then didn't stop them at all the entire game. So Iowa has played psychologically, with the, with the exception of the – is it the Raider package is what they call it? Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of, of that in situations, this has been a defense going back to what Norm Parker originally established, which is kind of ironic because, you know, Norm Parker – was a protege of George Perlis Who created the Stunt 4-3 attacking defense But what he's done at Iowa Is Basically just a, a a Global, what Norm did in Iowa Was global scouting of college football And you're in a league where There has not been a quarterback Chosen in the first round From a Big Ten school In the first round of the NFL draft Since Kerry Collins in 1995 So when you're playing, when when Norm first got here, eight of your 11 games, and now it's eight of your 12, or now it's nine of your 12. But when you're playing the bulk of your schedule against a league that doesn't churn out NFL-caliber quarterbacks. Now, lots of good quarterbacks. Drew Brees was terrific. He just wasn't picked in the first round. But those the, the guys that get picked in the first round are the guys that can stand in the pocket or on the run, make that throw. And what I mean by that throw that throw up a seam or along a sideline that is dropped between a safety and a corner. That's the throw that separates the men from the boys. Can you throw that on time in a tight window, uh, you know, 10 to 20 yards down the field? A lot of college quarterbacks, frankly, can't. And in, in most systems, they're not asked to, they're asked to just throw bubble screens and and then when the defense creeps up on that, then try and beat them over the top. There's very few college systems anywhere where quarterbacks are consistently asked to make that throw. And I go back to the years that, you know, when Iowa would play Iowa State with Austin Arnott. And how frustrated Arnott would get in those games because he could not make that throw. And then I go back to the years when Iowa played Iowa State, when Iowa State had Seneca Wallace. And how frustrated Iowa would get because Seneca Wallace can make those throws. But very few college quarterbacks can make those throws. And that has served Iowa very well uh, because it, it, it means almost every week, unless the other team just is that much better physically. At, Iowa, is provided it doesn't beat itself on the other side of the ball, is in a position to compete, if not think it can win most weeks in college football since the dawn of the Kirk Ferentz era. And, you know, Phil Parker inherited this system from his old defensive coordinator at Michigan State, Norm Parker, and has added his own little wrinkles situationally at the Raider package. But by and large, it's the same scheme. If you're going to run a 3-4 defense, then it requires not just a personnel switch, but a psychological one. And Wisconsin runs a very aggressive uh, gap shooting. Uh, This is not Barry Alvarez. This is a different kind of defense they're playing now it's a very attacking style zone blitz, similar to what you saw, you know, the Steelers in their heyday in the late 90s with Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green when they made that zone blitz first, you know, blitz the NFL as sort of the antidote to the West Coast offense. That is similar to what Wisconsin is running. So that, that's, that's just not even – that's not just a, a case of swapping out a linebacker for a defensive lineman. That's an entire psychological uh, renaissance compared to what has been run at Iowa for almost 20 years now, John.
1: Well said. Uh, last one: Do you think Phil Parker will blitz the young linebackers more often rather than let them read and react <laughs> this coming year? Um, I think Iowa's defensive line has a chance to be pretty disruptive. Uh, Nathan Budgeta was is the lone player not returning. So you, you've, got a number, you've got a number of players that are coming back that I think are dangerous, that have experience. Uh, Anthony Nelson, you know, grown into a very, very dangerous pass rusher. I think he might have led the team in sacks last year. Parker Hesse may be a guy who loses a spot. A.J. Epinesa is actually going to have his, is in the midst of having his first off-season workout program with Chris Doyle. Even though he came in as a man at 285 as a true freshman and he was disruptive in there, he's going to learn more technique. He's going to learn a few more moves other than bull rush upfield and trying to beat a a left tackle on the outside of an edge rush, which you can scheme a little bit with that. Davion Nixon coming over from uh, one year of junior college. I think he's going to fill his place pretty, pretty well, pretty effectively. I think they've got a pretty good defensive line. They can go seven or eight deep. And I think with the young linebackers you're going to have, Iowa's four three Steve as you just talked about it. It certainly asks your linebackers to cover. Now I do think Iowa is looking at doing some different things with their linebackers, maybe different size, a little more hybrid, a little more emphasis on coverage ability. And if you have a if you have a front four that can stop the run and put pressure on the quarterback, you can get away with your linebackers maybe being a little undersized and not having to be called on so much in run support. But in the end, it is the Big Ten, after all, and they are in a division that still has is more probably
0: power running than, than is not. Well, I think you got to go down the schedule, and you have to ask yourself this question. If I was going to do that, and in terms of their front seven, based on what you just broke down, they have the ability to do that. But it also means playing your corners on an island more than Iowa is accustomed to. And so, you know, when you had Desmond King and then you followed him up with Josh Johnson, I I think if Josh Johnson at the Combine, or Jackson, I'm sorry. If Josh Jackson at the Combine, if he runs, the number for me I'm looking for is if he can post a 4-5. He can post a 4-5 with his size, his length, his ball hawking ability, his hands. Uh, he will absolutely be a millionaire the night of April the 28th. Anything better than that, and and we're just uh, we're we're doing you know the Johnny Manziel dollar signs. Now at this time last year, though, almost none of us knew who he was. Okay, so he was a total revelation. Uh, we saw you know Desmond King was a nice recruit from Iowa, and and you saw his freshman year. You saw he had some swag. You could see it. But Josh Jackson came out of nowhere uh, from this time last year to now, and he's poised to make himself uh, a a huge amount of money. Do they have somebody like that or one or two guys like that, that they're developing waiting in the wings? Because you're going to put them more on an island. Now, when you look at their schedule, though, I'm not sure where the quarterbacks are that could take advantage of that. Now, Iowa State got huge news this week. Uh, Kyle Kemp was granted a sixth year. And even though they lose Allen Lazard, they're still going to have a pretty good batch of receivers. You play them early in the year, so that's a team that that you know might be able to to take advantage of something like that. If you if we see the Alex Hornibrook we saw in the Orange Bowl, then absolutely Wisconsin can take advantage of that. If we see the Alex Hornibrook we saw the rest of the season, uh, then not so much. Uh, I, I think Clayton Thorson's status is way in, is is way uncertain. Uh, when you have a serious knee injury uh, with the ACL that he had in the bowl game and you're in an offense that if the quarterback is not a run threat becomes extremely pedestrian and then after that you know Minnesota bring in Viramontes, who a lot of people think might be might have been the best dual threat quarterback in, in Juco last year and they certainly have a big time receiver there maybe if, if he lives up to Uh, you know his expectations maybe that's a guy uh to look out for but there's not a lot of quarterbacks on that schedule next year that you sit there and think if i'm going to be aggressive defensively and make them beat me i'm really worried and that that they might be able to do that so this might be the season to trot out something similar to what you're talking about i
1: don't know if you mentioned penn state or not but i think overall yes your point still stands okay Thank you to one and all, sorry, and and that last one came from uh, Brian Goki on Twitter. Uh, Thanks to everyone else who submitted questions that we couldn't get to. We will do this again. We really appreciate uh, all of your submissions. For Steve, I'm John. We will talk to you soon.